Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in the cage. Smashing Pumpkins from their song Bullet with Butterfly Wings. In 1995, Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan sang about Rage in the Cage for the lead single off their third studio album of the same year, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. In 2011, Corgan turned his focus to a different kind of Rage in the Cage, the wrestling kind. Quote, Wrestling's one of the last true subcultures left in America, says Corgan. Being off the radar gives it a certain funky credibility. That's why we can be a little more edgy, the unobserved part of it all. Alongside his brothers, Jacques and Gabe Barron, Corgan founded Resistance Pro Wrestling, an indie wrestling promotion based in Chicago. Corgan's time with the promotion was brief, ending in November of 2014, but Resistance was just the beginning of the alt-rockers' foray into the world of wrestling. In 2015, Corgan worked as the senior producer of creative and talent for Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, also known as TNA, developing characters and creating storylines for the promotion. A year later... Corgan became the president and left in the same year due to financial complications with TNA's parent company. Despite the obstacles he encountered in the wrestling business, Corgan's insatiable appetite for the sport led him to buy the National Wrestling Alliance in 2017, which he still owns and promotes today. It seems the third time's a charm for Corgan in both wrestling and music. The Smashing Pumpkins first saw commercial success with their second studio album, Siamese Dream. But it was melancholy and the infinite sadness that secured their spot in rock and roll history. The album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 and earned the band seven Grammy Award nominations. Of all the songs on the album, the most successful was one that almost didn't make the cut. Corgan had written 56 songs for their third album, and the last of those wasn't much of a song at all. Just a couple chord changes and a wordless melody. Still, Corgan thought the song had legs, so he took it to producer Flood, who informed Corgan that it was not album ready. Flood gave the songwriter a day to prove him wrong, and Corgan took four hours that evening to refine the single and succeeded in getting it on the album. The single was an oddity for the Pumpkins, given its heavy usage of loops and samples, but the song was well-received, hitting number two in Canada and Iceland, number six in Ireland, number nine in New Zealand, and number 12 in the U.S. Coincidentally, 12 is the age Corgan was writing about in this song that bears a year for its title. That's right, we're talking 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one knows you better than you fake it. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my vacant and bored co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on? Oh, you know, we had a Canada Day. Yeah, we sure did. Pretty much. Joe Canada Day is also Debbie Harry's birthday. I do now. Hey, you know it now. Yeah. Debbie Harry, the front person... Front woman, front man. I'm all shook up. The front for Blondie, um, who we talked about last Entrepreneur Summer for their hit song "Call Me." Yeah, we did because because that was our pro sex summer. Pro sex. That's summer. right, and she was the only member on that recording. So look at that. Forgot about that. Yeah, it was, it was really Debbie Harry and Giorgio Moroder's studio crew. But uh, we're not here to talk about Debbie Harry. Great no. she is. We are here to talk about uh, American alt rock, baby. A little bit of grunge, a little bit of 1990s. Mm, we're to talk about summer. We're here to talk about business. Smashing pumpkins. Now, Alex, of course, uh, you and I have both tested negative for WrestleMania because we're not. Yeah, we're fans. not. We're not very knowledgeable about wrestling. 
Um, I know it was big in the 90s. And like many things big in the 90s, it has made a comeback. That's true. Um, I think there's more like respect towards it, you know? Like, like there was a, a period even like I remember my dad saying this to me like, ah, wrestling's fake. Which like, right. in, in a sense, yeah. Like it's a performance. Like mm-hmm. the pro wrestling thing. But like, probably saying it's fake is somewhat disingenuous because it's not like CGI or something. You know, there's people yeah. doing it. It was really the framing of it, right? Because it was yeah. kind of given to people as like, this is combat sports. Right. And when, when it's actually just theater, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, stunts and performance. Like it's, it's just aggressive theater rather than. But it's than still very exciting. Fighting. I've even yeah, heard. It is very exciting. Um, like pro, the idea of pro wrestling and, you know, individual storylines and, and um, rivalries and, and champions and huge battles and things like that compared to like modern superhero i mean marvel movies right where right. you're following the characters and they show up in each other's storylines sometimes and they fight each other sometimes and it's like yeah okay there's similar ideas going on there so i watch those movies so yeah there's a little bit of that in there there is a little bit of that in there wrestling apparently billy corrigan's a big fan of it um i'm curious to see what kind of plots he wrote out for for characters yeah i don't know much about that background or like what he's doing now other than yeah running i mean there were some specifics i was looking on the page about like what like he bought it and now it's a singular promotions like what does that mean i don't know so i my understanding is a promotion it's weird because the 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 term referring to it like a company or a network is a promotion i've only ever seen this week now looking up wrestling yeah so, like, WWF, WWE is a promotion, um, and so if you are a promotion, you essentially are, like, a network, I think, and you bring on wrestlers, you get your own corral of wrestlers, right? I did look at your own shows, you do your own things there. I looked at the old National Wrestling Alliance map from, like, the, I don't even know what time this would be, but it includes, like, Stampede Wrestling, which is, like, Alberta and Saskatchewan and Montana, I guess. So, like, that was part of it, too. Which, yeah. that used to be a big thing that before before I would have known about it with, like, the Hart family and stuff. Right, big, yeah. Like, wrestling Calgary wrestlers. Stampede event. Yeah. So, wrestling's been around for a long time. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just gotten bigger and flashier. Sure has. People are crazy about it. Um, and if y'all know anything about uh, Billy Corgan's wrestling stuff, his the you know his uh, his multiple promotions he's been with and what he's doing now, hit us up. Um, yeah, that's our talk on wrestling, Alex. Let's talk now about the Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins. Hey, that's like wrestling. Just gotta say it in an exciting way. Can you imagine if that was like the only character? He's like, what if this guy is like a pumpkin? Like, <laughs> what if he's like the smashing pumpkin? The smashing pumpkin. Like, Billy, do you have any other ideas? <laughs> <laughs> like, we can bring out the smashing pumpkin maybe once. <laughs> once <laughs> a year, like, you know? Like, yeah, like once a year. <laughs> he can like have a storyline in October, but like that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the music, the music, what's the music about? What the Smashing is the music Pumpkins about? music. What do you? I don't. I won't pretend to know much about the Smashing Pumpkins. 
music yeah it's uh my like the, my introductions to smashing pumpkins are almost exclusively through rock band, uh, rock rock band, band. and guitar hero yeah yeah because like today yeah that's the one i knew because you used to sing today is today the is the greatest yeah, like all the time and that's pretty much it <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I recognize some of these songs, and like this song, I don't know where I've heard it before, but I have. It's this song had, and we'll talk about it in the the instrumentation, but it has such a like background feel to it. Yeah, that it could have scored literally any part of my life at any time, and <laughs> would have fit in like perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, okay, we should do 1979 because it's more popular. I was originally going to do today. And then I I put it on. I was like, oh, I fucking know this song. And it's interesting that it was a number two hit in Canada. And then I saw it was number nine in New Zealand. And I asked my partner, Greta, I was like, do you know this song? And she's like, oh, yeah, this is the one with the music video where they roll in the tire. I was like, yeah, it is that one. <laughs> it is that one. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's like well known in the countries it hit in and including the states where it hit 12. But like it hit bigger internationally for the most part than it did in the states, which is interesting. Um, yeah, Smashing Pumpkins, didn't really know them outside of that, and I, like, didn't know how to, I think because my sister made fun of them as well, because, like, (laughs) Billy Corgan has a very distinctive vocal style. He does. (laughs) That could be described as whiny. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely have that written down here. Um. Oh, for sure. There is a, it's a grunge whine. Yeah. He is the, like sad emotional poet boy of the grunge movement like more so than like kurt cobain who of course does poetry but like billy corgan is really like poet first then wine then grunge yeah yeah i've actually never thought of them as grunge yeah i they're typically called alt rockers they're almost just grunge by merit of being in that time just because it was the mid nineties and they're like, well, it's kind of rock music and it's popular. Yeah, so it's gotta be like grunge. It's got right? distortion. So it must be grunge. And yeah, some of it has that more like distorted, distorted sludgy sound, but yeah, not, like, not like a, a, a sound garden sound or anything like that. No, not quite. Um, um, and of more, course, more sensitive souls. Yeah. The album name melancholy and the infinite sadness gets a reference in uh, the third volume of Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. That's right. And the Infinite Sadness. So infinite, yeah, great album name. I like the name. Yeah, I like that it's referenced in Scott Pilgrim. Sounds cool. Melancholy as like two words. Is it a type of collie? Like a dog? Someone's name? Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe that is um, addressed in the album. In light, I don't think yeah. it's a concept album necessarily. Yeah, it sounds like a concept album though. Yeah, it does with the name, and it's it. Ha- I was listening to it this week. It's, and I don't know if it's by by merit of it being so influential, but like it's like I listened. I was like, oh yeah, this is a good album. Like it's it's catchy. The songs have a little bit of you know a little bit of crunch to them, and then you got the more soft pieces. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. What did I have to say about melancholy and the infinite sadness? I uh, I don't remember now. But I will tell you this, Alex. Smashing Pumpkins, we talked about previously on what was elected one of our worst episodes of that year, Landslide. Landslide. Yeah, that was a weird episode. Mac. Um, yeah. For reasons I don't fully understand. A lot of, a lot of Samesies covers. Just a lot of <laughs> That like, was probably it. Yeah. And then you had this, which was like Samesy, but Billy Corkin going, <laughs> 
landslide took me down. Took me down. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that. Yeah, do you think he sounded like that straight out of the womb? Yeah, that was his crying sound. (laughs) Immediately. The nurse slapped him or whatever nurses do. (laughs) Because they got to make him cry, right? That's right. I don't know. I don't know. To to get the juices out or something? (laughs) Let's say, yeah. You got to make them cry so they know life's cruel. (laughs) It's the first lesson every baby learns. Yeah, it's it's something useful like that. Something functional. Um, and but I don't know much else about the Smashing Pumpkins. They're kind no. of like in my mind used to just be like, oh yeah, it's one of those bands like the Flaming Lips, the Smashing Pumpkins, the what you know, right? The uh, the the '90s wave of music. Yeah, they are in some way a band that I'm like, well, yeah, they served their function, and now nobody cares about them anymore because music has moved on. Yeah, but is that Ooh. true? I don't know. They're just never something I, I would listen to. They, yeah, there weren't something I listened to, and I, it's all of these '90 bands, especially. I come back to them. I'm like, oh fuck, this stuff is really good. Like I listened to. Nirvana, yeah, like, oh, I really shit. like slept on the '90s for a long time, for a huge amount of time. Um, but I mean, that's what I feel like. Music has to be like 10 to 20 years old for me to like take it seriously, which is right to start not digging in. A great perspective, but for some reason, I have that problem, or I just like let other people find the good stuff for me. I think. Right, yeah. Why? Why bother? Diving Who's got time bands? for that? I got places to be. I, I work full time. I don't got time for that. Um, one thing I did notice that was interesting about this very popular song, licensed in a lot of games and 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 movies and shit. Um, it was part of the soundtrack of Grand Theft Auto Four as part of the fictional Liberty Rock radio station until April 2018, when Rockstar's 10 year license to the song expired. Right. I think I remember. Like they patched it out, right? Yeah. I think I remember that happening. It's like suddenly there's a Grand Theft Auto 4 patch like out of nowhere and it just takes the song out. Like that's I have never heard of that happening in a, happening in a game. Yeah, um, the idea that it's changeable to that degree, right? Like I can understand like oh we can't print the disc anymore with this on it. Right. Fine. But like that you would go back and take it out of something that's already sold. That's so bizarre. That's insane, where you're like, yeah, no, this this version of the game just is no longer allowed to exist. That's crazy. Yeah. Me. But they did it. Um, imagine if that happened to Skyrim. They're like, well, dragons are out now. We have a 10-year <laughs> contract on fucking dragons. Yeah, the Tolkien estate just whips. <laughs> yeah, I was budge. like, no, we're pulling that. Yeah, we couldn't renew. Unreal. Um, the only other thing to talk about before we get into these lyrics is the year 1979. Alex, what do you think? Good year? Bad year? Um, what were you doing in pr- 1979? Pretty decent Taylor Swift album. Hey. For at least, at least, I mean, I'm a little iffy on some of the back half, but okay, I think there's the a lot of really good. solid tracks on there. I didn't realize she had an album. I think I knew she had a year-based album. I didn't realize it was, oh, it was 1989. Ah, fucked it up. 1989. Okay, there's a 1979 <laughs> by a, a group called Deru. D R U. I don't know that. Uh, as for the year, what happened that year? Probably important things. I think uh, probably a Jethro Tull album. I don't know. That's I don't know why that's where I went. Important things like a Jethro Tull album. album. <laughs> um. 70s i don't know man uh you know the seattle supersonics win the nba championship against the washington bullets 
I wasn't around. I don't remember it. <laughs> you don't remember it. That's fair, Alex. Um, yeah, 1979. Turn of the turn of the century, they say. <laughs> they, turn of a century. Not know how we normally uh, how we normally ca- count centuries, but it was the end of a hundred year span. That's right. <laughs> um, let's see. Big events here. Oh man, all this is lame shit. Did I see ABBA in there? Um, January first, United Nations Secretary General Kurt Waldheim heralds the start of the International Year of the Child. Um, and many musicians donate to the Music for UNICEF concert fund. Among them, ABBA, who write the song Chiquita. Chiqui- Ch- is that Chiquita or is that Chiqui- Chiquitita? I think it's Chiquitita. Chiquitita to commemorate the event. So, Year of the Child, and that influenced uh, a 12-year-old boy named Billy Corgan. To write this song, which we're going to talk about the lyrics of. Which we're going to talk about the lyrics. Right the fuck now. Let's get in there, Alex. Shakedown 1979. Cool kids never have the time. Shakedown 1979 does sound like a wrestling event. Shakedown 1979. Yeah, you're right. Um... Anyway, um, continue. That's not what he's talking about. Cool kids never have the time. On a live wire right up off the street, you and I should meet. Let's talk about that first half there. Yeah, let's. Um, obviously, there's the wrestling thing I just said. Um, yep. So uh, this was the cool kids. Um, is that sarcastic? Because I don't think I've ever heard anyone say cool kids in earnest. Like if someone's like, ah, cool kid, like it's, it's ironic or it's sarcastic. So right. talking to himself, but like they're not cool. Which is why he's calling them cool kids. Right. Or is he saying like the so-called cool kids in his youth never... Don't have time for him. Yeah. Or maybe his friends. Yeah, maybe. I guess uh, guess if he's talking about himself, what does it mean to never have the time? No, he totally does have time. Right. And also that idea of like when you're cool, at least as a teenager, it's like you're cool because you do not like things and you do not do things. (laughs) People are like, we're going to enjoy ourselves. You're like, enjoyment? (laughs) What are you being? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because they're like doing their sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, we don't have time to do fun things, which I guess sports are fun things, but maybe not. Actually, according to his Wikipedia page, Billy Corgan was active in sports, but shit. Only because he apparently was, like, was taller, like he grew before everyone else did. Uh, but that's just from the Wikipedia page. I don't know the details, man. I don't know, man. I wasn't there. 1979. 1979. Shakedown, 1979. Um, but it does, I mean, that's kind of what the song is about. It is about, like, basically just some kids hanging out. Yeah. Uh, Billy Corgan has a quote on this from VH1 Storytellers, where he says, Sometimes when I write a song, I see a picture in my head. For some reason, it's of the obscure memory I have. And the memory that, that's the end of the quote. Uh, the thing goes on to say that the memory that goes with this song is from when he was around 18 years old. He was driving down a road near his home on a rainy night and was waiting at a traffic light. He says that the picture, quote, emotionally connotes a feeling of waiting for something to happen and not being quite there yet, but it's just around the corner. Or a, like a red light? Yeah, so a red light and I guess also it's like this is like a coming of age song. So it's that right. shift from childhood to adulthood. The end of no responsibility kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, um, which I think yeah. becomes more present in later lines. Yeah, let's read them. Let's read them. I, hang on, what did you think of a live wire right up off the street? You and I should meet. Is that just like kid behavior? It's like we're gonna go fucking hang out by something dangerous. A there's live just, wire is like a, there's like energetic, right? And hanging right. out in the street because like they're they're kids. They've got nothing but energy and time. Right. So that's just like suburban getting into trouble. I think so. Line. Yeah, I'd buy that. If it was um, written by those kids I saw at the mall the other day, it would be about skateboarding in the mall. 
Nice. They were skateboarding in the mall? Yeah, just like, they were just like walking along and one they were holding skateboards and one just started skateboarding and I was like, yeah, all right. And then he Fuck stopped. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, not that effective. You're surrounded by people at the mall. Yeah, it's so loud too. It's also very loud on that floor, yeah. Because yeah, like it's like all skateboards are, make noise regardless of how smooth the surface is. Yeah. But you get like those little tiles in between. It's like <laughs> 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 yeah, it was very loud. Um, did you see him? He grind on anything? Did he? No, he. VHS it was just like for transportation, <laughs> which okay. I maintain that skateboards are not effective for transportation. But I uh, also don't know how to ride a skateboard, so that might I be mean, part of it. <laughs> Compared to walking, they are more efficient. They are wheeled, yeah. They are wheeled. I was I was riding the old skateboard around the other. It was a longboard. So a longboard, I can see. I guess they're not that different. Not that. It's mostly stability on the longboard. But yeah. I guess you do also get more hold. Like, you know, one kick takes you further, I think, on a longboard. When I was in Vancouver, I saw a guy who had, like, a string tied to his board. I don't remember if it was Yeah, very common out here. Just so, like, and he was, like, using it for cornering, but also, like, if he stepped off it, you just, like, pull it back. Yeah, pull it behind him like a little wagon. Yeah. Hell yeah, dog. Anyway, um, getting distracted. Getting distracted, but it's all relevant to, to, the, to the image of yeah. suburban youth here. Uh, Junebug, skipping like a stone with the headlights pointed at the dawn. We were sure we'd never see an end to it all. Yeah, I mean, they're driving around, right? Even though he's apparently 12. Yeah, I imagine we're talking 79 where kids hung out with, you know, his mixed age hanging out. So somebody probably had a car. Yeah, I mean, that's what we see in the music video, too. Someone has a car. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's got a car. Um, And they're just kind of fucking around. Uh, They're driving like it's early in the morning, right? There's bugs. Headlights pointed at the dawn. It's like it's just poetic description of things that are happening. And then, of course, a reference to the fact that it will end in saying that they thought it won't. Yeah, it's that wouldn't. sort of like, you know, driving around with your friends in a car and you're like, well, this is just life forever, man. We're just going to be chilling. Yeah. Wind in our hair, perhaps. Yeah. It's never going to be a global pandemic. <laughs> We're always going to be able to spend time close to each other. That's right. Uh, and yeah, what a bummer song. I like chose this song because I was like, it'll be less of a bummer than today, which is about, you know, suicide. Still kind of a bummer. Yeah. In that things, all, all things come to an end way. Yeah, all things come to an end, but you think they'll last forever. Uh, so we get to the chorus then, and I don't even care to shake these zipper blues. And we don't know just where our bones will rest to dust, I guess, forgotten and absorbed into the earth below. Apparently, zipper blues is an actual phrase. Yeah, I had to Google it, but it is. Uh, so it's the the sadness from moving around and not being able to settle in one place. I assume moving. I forgot to look it up, but like moving, like cities, like, cities, yes, or yeah, communities, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I mean, I just starting our chorus with ah, don't even care. I feel like it's a very nineties thing. Even yeah. though that's maybe not the uh, what it would have meant, but just like I don't care about anything. Right? Um, yeah. He's specifically, he doesn't even want to. Like, he doesn't care enough to to shake the sadness of of having to move all the time. Because I and I guess because eventually he will die. Is that the the sentiment? He's like, well, yeah, move to the fucking grave eventually. Well, it seems to be like 
because if he, he's talking about like things ending and sort of moving on so if he is someone who constantly is moving around which i think he moved a fair amount when he was younger i don't know um uh, yeah, i, I moved not at all when i was younger so i don't really know what this uh, yeah, is yeah like. i moved like two blocks yeah. when i was younger but like if you are a person who's like constantly relocating you know you got to constantly make new friends and meet new people so it's like and then they're gone maybe forever especially when it was harder to communicate you know free social media and stuff so it's like yeah. part of the the idea of the song which is this like fleeting nature of stages of life mm-hmm. um that's even like a smaller portion of that is constantly meeting new people making new relationships and then those are those end because you move on so it's like right. he's like i don't i don't feel great about it he's still got these zipper blues but like it's not the time to worry about that we need right. to spend our time together uh because you know we're all going to die right and i guess he says where our bones will rest and so a zipper blues is about constant movement yeah and death is rest so he's saying like doesn't it doesn't know matter. where it's going to be next or where he's going to know up. that there will be an infinite rest so if i have to keep moving to to live life then so be it yeah and take advantage of what you can while you can mm-hmm. and there is also i would say the the sort of abstraction of what death is because when he talks about it it's not about the actual like act of dying which is uh, you know both universal because we all go through it and unique because we all die in our own way he's talking about the abstract aftermath where the bones are gone dusted and absorbed into the earth so in that same sense that they think you know the that we were sure we'd never see an end to it all even death can only be thought about in these sort of far off abstracts right and on top of that like it's the end of something as well. So, like, mm-hmm. continuing with the theme of something right, is ending. This, Perhaps this even transitional just moment. the idea of death is something ending. Like, this life dies and we move on to the next one. Right. And this one is forgotten. Forgotten and absorbed. Yeah, whether that's absorbed into your mind or into the actual earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. We're talking about a real death and also a figurative one. Yeah. Excellent. Verse two, double cross the vacant in the board. They're not sure just what we have in store. Morphine city slipping dues down to sea. Yeah, I'm not totally sure what morphine city means. Uh, it means like the city is sleepy, right? It's a place where nothing happens. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's this, Especially there's a scene that's in, how summer yep. feels a lot of the time. You know? Oh, yeah. And no there's a scene in the music hot. video where the kids go out to like a hill and then the dude just like shouts and flips off the city. He does do that. I think it's that kind of vibe. So it's not just like sleepy, lazy summer, like chill. It's like, this place is killing us, man. Nothing ever fucking happens here, man. Right. Got to get out of your hometown mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, you're fighting against. And yeah, this is the, we're starting to see that the, there's like the entropy of adulthood as well. They are slowly moving towards death and also mm-hmm. adult responsibilities. And so... Yeah, the morphine city is uh, the dulling of youth and the end of of your life as you knew it. Uh, Double cross the vacant and the board uh, kind of seems to relate to the cool kids as well. They are the vacant and the board. I guess also, I mean, it reminds me of um, Cornflake Girl a bit. Of like, mm. of the like, we're the vibrant, interesting, creative ones, and everyone else just kind of sucks. Right. Yeah. Bit of that tribalism in there. And they're, I mean, is double crossing, like, are they pranking them? Because there's a lot of pranking going on in the music video. 
It could be pranking. I feel like double-crossing them is simply just to do something exciting. Oh, I guess so, in a way. Because, you know, people who are bored, I, I, I mean, I remember saying to this kid, there's nothing to do. Yeah. It's like... So it's, you betray them by, by doing. Anything, yeah. And they're vacant, so they're dumb as shit, so they don't even know what you're going to do. Yeah, they have just have, like, no concept of what you could possibly do. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't be so vacant or Vacant and bored, cool and they, I guess the vacant and the bored are probably, you know, already kind of slipped into the morphine city. They're, they're already a part of the, the infrastructure, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, they're lost. Yeah. Then we get a second course, a little different. We do. Um, so yeah, down to see that we don't even care. As restless as we are, we feel the pull in the land of a thousand gilts and poured cement. Which is, well, once again, seems to reference the city. Poured, mm-hmm. poured cements. Poured cement. Um, but I guess the other um, interesting thing going on is they're talking about being restless and wanting to move on. Whereas before, talking about the zipper blues didn't necessarily mm-hmm. make, make it seem like moving was a good thing. It was just a necessary thing. Or, right, it was a fact of yeah, life, fact. but then they also have a restlessness yeah. in them. So they still have a desire to move on and see new things, and mm-hmm. that is part of it. Um, and of course, they're feeling the pull against their restlessness, against yeah. their, their, their youthful urge to, to, to go out and explore, and not to stay in the city, bound by guilt, a land of a thousand guilts, and yeah, become part of the, the city, part of adulthood. And I am pulling that from the genius uh, annotation, but I think that's... No, I think that tracks with what we've been I saying. I think that tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, which takes us to the bridge, lamented and assured to the lights and towns below, faster than the speed of sound, faster than we thought we'd go, beneath the sound of hope. Towns below. I don't know why the towns are below. It's the lights and towns below. But now, I mean, um, it's, it's all motion, right? Yeah. Because um, they're... The towns and lights are below them, but they're below the sound of hope. So it's motion and positions we have here. Yeah, okay. We're moving, and there are things in that are positioned relative to one another. All those things are true. Um, and there's a lament, perhaps, what was left behind, but they're still moving. Yeah, they're still moving, uh, like, assuredly, I suppose. They, yeah. like, so they are lamenting the past, but still moving with confidence. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and they, but it's lamenting and assured to the lights and towns below. That's a, that's a weird sentence. Lamenting and assured to the lights and towns below. Because, I mean, if you're just going to say, like, you're moving, moving to the lights and towns below, fast and speed of sound... Uh, right, I guess this is again kind of re- referring to the pull. Yeah, I, I, I still don't fully understand the the below why the towns are situated below. If that indeed means anything, um, I might, I'm I, again, I'm picturing in like the music video when they're up on that hill, and you see the town below you. I guess so. You can see the countryside or whatever. So maybe yeah. And there's that getting away from town and everything. then that pull back to it, right? Yeah. 
Um, and then, of course, the next, the faster than the speed of sound, faster than we thought it would go, is the the fleeting moment of youth again. This, this transitional period. And it also, like, I mean, there are various ways you can go down a hill quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even just in terms of like, there's that side of it. But then, like, if they're just a bunch of kids hanging out, maybe on like bikes or whatever, or maybe they are in a car, just going fast. Right. Um, not faster than the speed of sound. That's an exaggeration, but that's fine. Right. That's yeah. That's fine. Right. So again, we're layering like an actual event over the metaphorical event. Yeah. Of like trying to pull away from the city and like maybe going back to it, or maybe going somewhere else. Because if yeah. you are on top of a hill, maybe you can see different cities or maybe even different suburbs. Like I don't know, like the downtown mm. part of your city that you're a suburb of. Yeah, exactly. Like it gives you a different perspective. You see maybe what's out there, but then quicker than you expected, you're you're heading back to towards home, towards the pole, towards the future. And this whole time, Alex, you're beneath the sound of hope. Oh yeah. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know what it means to be beneath the sound. Because if you're beneath it, are you like, like enveloped in it? Enveloped in it? Yeah, that's the question. Are you enveloped in it, or are you away from it and hopeless? Are you guided think, by it? I I don't fully understand the line, but it does to me. Like it feels hopeful. Like like because they're young, um, there is potential, right? So mm-hmm. I I think they have hope. I do. Um, or maybe because they're moving down back down there's leaving right. some of that hope behind perhaps yeah it could be that hope is up on the hills where they are yeah and then so when you're in the town you're beneath the sound of hope the town mm-hmm. yeah the metaphorical hills that allow you to survey possible futures or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a tough line uh and, and yeah it's tough bookends on this lamented and assured beneath the sound of hope like pretty pretty broad especially when you hit like it's like negative and positive and then beneath the sound of hope can be read in a negative or positive light and it's like oh, I don't yeah <laughs> interesting but we got to move on Confusing. and talk about we justine do. we do what's up with justine? justine never knew the rules hung down with the freaks and ghouls no apologies ever need be made i know you better than you fake it to see so who's justine what's justine all about um Going going off the fact that Billy Corgan's a little nerd, yep, a little jock nerd apparently, but a nerd nonetheless. <laughs> I'm gonna buy into what Genius has on sale here, which is that it's a reference to Justine or the Misfortunes of Virtue, a classic 1791 novel by Donatian Alphonse Francois de Sade, better known as the Marquis de Sade. Oh, uh, the sa- the sadism guy. Yeah. So it's about like. And I think he's just using it as a reference to, I mean, she's a, a sex slave in it and hangs out with, uh, you know, the, the underbelly of sure whatever, okay. the freaks and ghouls. But when you are not the cool kids and maybe even a new kid in town, going back to like the zipper blues things, you hang out with the weirdos and cause that's, that's, <laughs> that's who it's easiest to get with. Right. Right, because there doesn't necessarily need to be, like, you don't need to have an established, like, skill or reputation, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you don't need to play by the social hierarchy rules of whatever god-awful school you, you've entered into. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I guess if I didn't know... Let's pretend for a moment that I didn't catch the literary reference. Let's pretend that right, I don't course. know. Let's, about, let's just, just totally read. pretend because I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, just extremely well read. Uh, let's of pretend course. I didn't know about this 1791 uh, novel. Yeah. Um, pretty out there, I know, but um, <laughs> it sounds just like he's talking about some girl he has a crush on or something. You know, right. he's like she's pretty cool. She hangs out with not just the popular people. And uh, right. I know her very well. Yeah. Even though I mean, she's a wait. cool person and maybe the cool people even like her, but like, I see what you really are. And, so, and like, yeah, I can see that attitude in a, in a young person. I can see that. Yeah, what's well, interesting because he addresses you directly. Well, I, and I'm assuming it is Justine, like he said, but he says, I know you better than you fake it. Okay. So there is the idea, he's not just like bragging to somebody else that he knows Justine pretty well. He's, he's talking saying, to Justine. He's talking to Justine. And yes. better than you fake it, is that just the idea of the, again, this like cool kid facade we talk about, this idea where you're, you're, you're kind of masking who you are. And so he's saying like, no apologies ever need to be made because I know you, who you are better than you know how to fake who you are. Yeah, or he's just reading the book and talking about Justine. Right, he's, he's like, like I understand what Justine is thinking. <laughs> yeah, he talks a book report into verse three. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I don't know. It's not the so out could there. Be. Yeah. I know you better than you fake it. Yeah, it comes off as like a uh, just a story of like somebody you knew. Yeah, taking out the literary reference, which if it's real, cool, like an extra layer. If not, I think it can be read without that. Uh, yeah, it's just like, this is some person who, yeah, who would hang out with the freaks and ghouls despite maybe pretending to be cooler than that. But I, yeah, I know them. I know you for who you really are. And then we get chorus one again, and then we get the outro. The street heats the urgency of now. As you see, there's no one around. And that outro, how does it tie into everything? Well, I mean, it still draws a picture of a hot summer day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as for what it means to heat the urgency of now, maybe it's just the idea that summer often breeds this feeling of restlessness when you're young, because the rest of the year, you've always got like things to do. Right. School, basically. Um, and then now it's summer, suddenly there's nothing going on and you might feel a little restless. Yeah, I could see that being it. Um, there is something that kind of like, as you see, there's no one around is sort of what I'm focusing on. And is that about how like, okay. as these things pass by, we're talking about people passing you in life, we're talking about moments going by, the only constant in your life is really that you are present. Right. And then perhaps, I mean, we talk like it does earlier talk about death. There's the idea that like, Oh, everyone dies alone or whatever. Right. So ultimately you're on your own. Especially if you're in this situation where you're constantly moving around and, uh, forming and breaking new relationships constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ultimately you are the only one who is always there. 
So less of an outro and more of an introspection, am I right? Hey, or maybe, you know, an intro to the next chapter of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like a very, like, conclusive conclusion. It's very open-ended. It's like that. No, but I mean, the song kind of has that sound too, right? It's not like it ends on a big conclusive. Let's talk about the song and the sounds of it. You mentioned Summer. In the outro, this song sounds like summer to me. It does. Um, it definitely um, supports, you know, the lyrics. Actually, it kind of reminds me of the Tragically Hip a bit. Yeah, I could see that. Um, in particular, I'm thinking, like, Escape is at Hand for the Traveling Man. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Um, yeah, just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, it's also inspired by uh, the Frogs. An unreleased song of theirs called Pleasure, which I listened to this morning, has kind of a similar uh, audio vibe to it. They're a rock band from the 80s. Yeah, okay. I did not listen to that. Um, but I will say this about 1979, is it's, it's impressive that it sounds like everything is in the background. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's a good description of it. Because, yeah, everything from the vocals to the melody... <laughs> the drums like it all sounds like it's in the background yeah and it's like trying to think of like what is the foreground in this like well the music kind of like there is kind of a riff but it's kind of part of like an ambient thing like it's fairly like harmonic not super melodic you know yeah um and then there's vocals where they're kind of covered up by that harm harmonic space um like ambient not really ambient but the music and then like drums are happening the drums aren't like crazy or anything you know but in fact like there's the intro which is kind of more of a drum machine sound that that fades in and then you get that the riff on the guitar which um kind of has there's like it's fairly long like there's kind of two sections to it like that part and then the back half which is um Yeah, it kind of has like a little bit like sliding or bending or something. Like there's some pitch transition, smooth pitch transitions. Yeah. Um, and then there's even like a bit of like a backbeat accent on this. So it's interesting riff, but like it's not like pushed out into the front or anything, you know? It's no, just kind of very smooth and looped. like fits in with everything. Yeah, it's got to stay in that smooth space because it plays for the, the whole song. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's the loop, and I think also the drums are a uh, sample, I think, because they, they mentioned that this one heavily uses loops and samples. Yeah, I'd believe it. They definitely have, yeah. Like, they don't switch and, them up. And, like, there's not any crazy fills or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Which would be yeah, a and the drummer talks about song. how when he plays it live, he has to, like, or when he played it live, the Pumpkins, I don't think, perform together anymore, but he had to play over a, uh, like, a drum machine. So the drum machine would be doing the one part, and he would play over top of it. He's like, that's weird for me usually do that yeah that would be weird because you like can't change the meter at all or like you can't you have to stay you know within the grid yeah you're leashed to this machine yeah um and then his vocals we already talked about his vocals a bit yeah um oh that's probably the sample actually is him doing the the uh, in the background there I guess if there's multiple layers of his voice, it's got to be, right? 
Yeah, because that, that plays in the back, and then he does this, oh, shake down, 1970. Yeah, but there are, there's just a lot of sounds in this, right? Like, they really build yes. up that, like, the, like, texture, the soundscape, without having, like, any crazy breakout sounds. Uh, and, yeah. okay, I guess the other, we talked about the two halves of the riff. Once the vocals come in, the vocals are really during that second part of the riff and then it plays the and then the vocals come back in as it does the back yeah end. which is you know a pretty common thing we've, we've seen that mm-hmm. it happens yeah instruments grow in intensity after the first half of the first verse get a bit of a louder drum there but it's still very simple yeah because the first um, verse is double length yeah or it's two and verses then- we get a very like uh, dreamy synth when we hit the chorus. Yeah, we do. Are we talking about the same synth? Yeah, I mean we'll talk about it right now. Okay. The like do 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 do. Am I making that? Okay. Did that synth remind you of anything? Um. Yeah, remind me of eating ice cream on the cabin oh, lake. No, okay. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> Just wondering. This synth, the synth in the background of the chorus. Reminds me of something from a much later song uh, on Melancholy Hill. Oh, fuck yeah, for sure it does. Which I was look, I looked up a little bit. I didn't Google it explicitly, but it doesn't seem to be like a sample or anything. And it's definitely in on Melancholy Hill, which is a gorilla song. Yeah. Um, it is much more of like a little like dancey kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like poppy. Um, synth line whereas this is not that it's in the background like everything else in this song yeah but it has a similar sound and like and almost like kind of a similar like similar motion to it even though this is less like bop along to it sort of thing yeah but the name of that song is on melancholy hill and this album is melancholy and the infinite sadness so i'm like sadness what did they do that on purpose is that Maybe. Because, like, there's two things. It could be a reference to this. You're full of things that could be a reference to other things today, Alex. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's the just other the one kind being of off mic, so people having. are going to rewind To see connections. <laughs> to see in the patterns, man. Man, they're everywhere. Anyway, so I thought um, that was kind of fun, but it took me a while to, like, remember. Well. I was like, I know this synth line, even though it's yeah. not the same. It's similar in a lot of ways. It is similar. It's like this. It's kind of like a shininess to the synth. Yeah, it's got that, like yeah, like that almost nostalgic feel to it, which yeah. I think on Melancholy Hill tries to pull on. Yeah, as I well. think it's technically like a string synth sound that's like played pretty high, but okay. it's not like I, it's probably been modified a bit. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, killer synth. Um, you get the second verse, same as the first. Yeah, similar. I think like there's more noise, right? Like the background is yeah. busier now, but like it's so non-specific. And there's even like just I think some noise, like static. Yeah, there's like a drone or something in yeah. there. Um, like in I think only, even only in the left ear, but yeah, uh, it's there. And then we go into the second chorus. We get the bridge, which is just kind of like. More fuzz in the mix. Yeah, uh, so let's switch a few things up. Like the guitars chugging on the chords, and like, um, like the patterns change. You know, because it's a bridge. Do that stuff in the yeah. bridge, but it's not. Again, it's still all like background stuff. Um, mm. 
the other thing about the bridge is it like takes takes a line to transition. So like when he says lamented and assured, that sounds like it's part of the chorus. Right. But it's not. But apparently. it's not. I mean, I guess it could be, but it's the bridge. Not to according the bridge. to genius. <laughs> I mean, they don't call him genius for nothing. Yeah. Him. <laughs> this guy who does all the lyrics. The one guy. Uh, the genius. Wow. Thanks, genius. Way to go, Einstein. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of sounds. Lots of sounds. Um, and yeah, kind of just... We come back to that, that verse noise. We get the chorus again. Yeah, it cuts back down. Yeah. And then builds up over the verse. That's a technique we see quite often as well. Yeah. And then you get the like final note. He goes, Yes, there's no one else around. And it goes, Boom. Yeah, the outro is kind of just another, like a small verse. It really is. Kind of sweeps it, sweeps the rug out from under you. I wonder if that's also a comment on the, the fleeting nature of a, any given moment. Yeah, it's like I you guess think the ending that, is kind of definitive. But it kind of, it, like, it just like goes so quick. You're like, wait a second, I thought there was going to be more song. Right, because he starts a verse, and it sounds like he's going to keep going. But they just do the like intro drum beat again. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. Yeah. Um, yeah, catchy fucking track. It is, which is weird. It feels like it shouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. it's not like there's a big like synth hook or something or guitar riff that would should be what would draw you in, you know? Yeah, there's no Stick real like mind. hook or anchor. But it's there. It's there. I just can't quantify it. It's just the Yeah, it's more of like that just that feeling. Like it does a good job of evoking the feeling it's trying to. Yeah. Somehow. Like <laughs> It's hard Somehow, to art, hard baby. to know that's how music. you do that. I guess it's the whole texture, top to bottom, all the sounds yeah. they're making. That's that's what the nineties was about, baby texture. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of texture, time to get a talk about a crunchy music video. Um, maybe crunchy, not crunchy and word, delicious. You know. Crunchy and delicious. Um, this is directed by the husband and wife duo of Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. Who okay. are film and music video directors. Their feature film debut was Little Miss Sunshine in 2006. Remember that winning awards. Um, they directed that Netflix series Living With Yourself, where there's two Paul Rudds. Did that uh, win awards? I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I watched it. I was upset that I had watched it. Okay. Not great? Uh, not great. It's just it's dumb. Stupid. And then the, the, the twist at the end of the season is is both him and his clone have, have boinked his, his wife. And the wife's like, well, whose baby is it? And it's like, who cares? Doesn't matter. <laughs> G- genetically, it's, it's the same. The same. <laughs> mm. But enough about that series. Let's talk about this music video, which had a tragic accident at one point. Oh, um, in the So tire? part of the scene, um, no, oh, the tire's fine. So was Billy Corgan after getting rolled in it, which is how the, it begins. But... Uh, there was a party scene at a, a house. There's like a house party scene. Um, the yeah. scene shown in the uh, in the music video is actually a reshoot of that because upon finishing the video shoot, yes. the band flew to New York to perform. However, all tapes of the footage were accidentally left sitting on top of a car and were lost as the driver departed. Okay, so that's the tragedy. It's not like someone got hurt. 
No, it's just that they lost okay. a day shoot. Interesting. <laughs> some idiot left the tapes on top of a car and drove off. Huh? Because the party scene looks different from the rest of it. Yeah, like the cam- like it looks like they used a different it. camera. Uh, they probably did. Huh. I was gonna say it's weird because it seems like someone had like a handheld camera with a higher frame rate or something for that part, and then the rest of the video is all like this vignette stuff. And even though it's kind of vignette for that party. It felt different. It felt more like immediate. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it's kind of more dreamy. And I was thinking like, oh, it's this like metaphor for like uh, these big events, like parties and stuff. You remember more maybe because they're like, I don't know. You remember these, you remember events more than just like fucking around. You know? Right. Than just the day to day fuck around. Um, in your mind, this is more vivid, but no, it's just because they fucked up the, can- the footage <laughs> maybe Who knows? maybe maybe Alex anyway, I don't know if... I thought there was something else going on there it could be something else going on I mean it could be coincidence that, that made something else go on there uh, Billy Corgan does consider it the best Smashing Pumpkins video he says it's quote the closest we've ever come to realizing everything we wanted huh yeah I mean there's a lot of stuff in it that's yeah, there's sure. a lot going on. Uh, shots like, of Billy Corgan in the back of a car singing. Yeah, it's a lot of just like them messing around. So like you see, it starts with them rolling uh, the one kid in a tire. Um, mm-hmm. And then like just kind of generally driving around. They're uh, driving, driving. Yeah, we do get you, shots do of the car. Do you rip donuts? We, do you pull donuts? I think you, I think you can rip and pull a donut, Alex. Uh, anyway, I, I think they also honestly think they might just be driving around in circles, which I don't think is the same thing as a donut. It's uh, um, it's donut adjacent. It's yeah. not a donut. It's like a it's a bagel or something. It's <laughs> just maybe a little less sweet. Come um, on, man, we're ripping bagels in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, shows the the bumper sticker on the car, which says "Proud Parents of a D Student," a D which I think student. is underachieving. Like that, it's very like nineties, super nineties. Uh, even though this is in the seventies, so it kind of started there, I guess. Because if you were fifteen to 20 in the early 90s like you would have been around for the 70s and the 80s yeah i suppose so anyway so it had to come from somewhere um so yeah and they're driving around you know having a good time and then sometimes yeah. it shows billy corgan singing he's also in the singing, back of a yeah. car he's also in the back of a car kind of seems like he's like remembering he's like there because it's his memory oh yeah remembering the memories but it never shows him with other people he just kind of looks around and sings and occasionally smiles Yeah. Um, I love it around 110 here. You get the kid <laughs> flipping off <laughs> the city. We talked about this, but it's censored. It is censored. Yeah. Um, and also like, I don't know, just like the finger to me yeah. is such like a toothless insult. I don't know. It's always been very funny and meaningless to me. It is like the last like refuge of people who have lost. Yeah. I don't know. So the idea that it was like kind of cool and edgy at one point is a bit funny to me. Yeah. But it, it was, I think. Well, that's how people it seem to treat like, it. And maybe it's yeah. just because they're young, right? But I mean, even looking at like, I don't know, like Eminem and stuff like that. Like, that's, I don't know why that was the one I thought of. But like right. the the gesture is like like it has power and maybe it still does. But um, yeah, maybe it's, contextually it's it does. But we probably did hit saturation on the like yeah. photographed the finger. But that's just me, and I guess you sounds like also sounds like me too, man. Um, 
And then they go to a house party. It's nighttime yeah. now, so they were hanging out during the day. Now it's nighttime. They're at a party. There's a live band. So cool. Yeah, buddy. Maybe the Smashing Pumpkins? Maybe. There's also 10-year-olds drinking. I can actually tell you where the Smashing Pumpkins show up in this video. Okay, and it's not in the... Um, so, uh, one of them appears as a convenience store clerk. Okay. Um, Darcy Retsky as an irate neighbor. That must be the woman in the curlers. That was a weird part, which I will discuss after you. For sure. And uh, Jimmy Chamberlain as a policeman. And all three of them appear together as the band in the party scene. So, that is them. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, at the party, there's a live band. Um, it shows them this is where we get a prank. Uh, there's some people making out in the in the shower, the combination That's bath right. shower, and they turn the the shower on, turn the knob and, on them, and get the people wet, uh, wetter, I guess. Um, and so yeah, pranks. Uh, so here's what's weird. Um, well, first of all, because the different shots seem to use different cameras, and I thought that made it feel a little weird. Uh, although it's not that big a deal, probably not even noticeable on like a CRT, like, on MTV in the 90s. Right. Um, and then it shows the, like, the, like, fist-shaking neighbor in curlers, and that, like, going from the very, like, candid feeling of the rest of the party to that shot, that's very, like, cartoonish. Right. A bit jarring, I thought. No, you're right. I, I'm just watching it now, and everything else feels like a home video, and then yeah. it's like... And it's like, oh, you kids! Like <laughs> You what? damn kids. Which is, I mean, it's kind of funny, but also, like, uh, disjointed. That's all. Yeah, officially disjointed. Yeah. Um, which, fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, go for I'm it. trying to pass judgment um, on it, necessarily. They Just TP the place. Something. They throw a bunch of shit in yeah, the pool. Yeah, more pranks. I think it's someone else's pool, like, because they, like, walk along... Fences. Yeah, because they jump a fence. So yeah, and they like walk along a fence. Going through yards and just messing around in someone's pool, throwing stuff in. Um, yeah, and toilet papering things. Yeah. So it pranks, man. Lots of pranks. Pranks. And then they get to the the Seven Eleven or whatever convenience yeah. store this is. And they they drink some Slurpees. They bowl with the margarita mix. Um, the cops show up at one point, and you're like, oh, no, busted, but then they just come in for donuts. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's the 90s, baby. And yeah, and then they just, like, start knocking shit off of shelves and then run away. Yeah. Uh, and but then, then they're abandoned by they're their, abandoned. their friends yeah. in the car. They're, those hooligans just don't have time to get in the car. Yeah. And then, like, that's the end is them chasing that car down the street, and then it shows Billy Corgan possibly in that car. Yeah. I think and, Billy Corgan put them up to it. He was like, Yeah, he's like, hey, go knock shit over in that store, but make sure you wait till the cops come and leave. <laughs> and then that's the video in and them chasing after him. Yeah, that's it. The video. So there's, I mean, as far as like the story goes, like, I think it works, you know? Yeah. Like the story it's telling very much lines up with what. The, the song is talking about yeah with well, like I a few it's... things that are weird about it but like for a music video like that's probably fine yeah it's pretty much par for the course and like also par for the era it was in right like you had to have somebody in hair curlers being like damn rock and roll yeah <laughs> something that'll make people giggle a bit yeah something cartoonish because you're is, competing with yeah. every other you're competing with fucking alien ant farm for airtime. 
That's true. Was that also 95? I feel like that was 93. I could be wrong. Anyway, around the same time, I think. Yeah. But that's the music video, and that's the whole of the original song here. We got to talk about some friggin' covers, though. We do need to talk Um, about some covers. Sorry, Alien Ant Farm wasn't out till 2001. Okay. Yeah. So maybe they weren't in direct. That's when it topped the charts. Yeah, they were not in direct. No, no, they weren't. But uh, neither are these covers because they came out after the song and it'd be tough to compete. For example, this one in 2001. Uh, That's Pig. Pig is the music project of Raymond Watts, who was an early member and periodic collaborator of KMFDM. <laughs> yeah, which is a German acronym that I can't yeah, it pronounce. It means translates no pity for to, the majority. Yeah, no pity for the majority. Um, loosely, loosely translated by the band. Loosely. So whatever that means, there's probably some more meaning in there, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about them. We're talking about No, we're about talking about... Raymond Watts. Raymond Watts. Oh, man. Pig from this album is called Goth on Goth. Yeah. Um, which we like didn't really bring it up, but mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins are associated with goth as a genre. I believe that. Because they've got this sort of like, I mean, they apparently didn't really like the punk association. So I guess mm. that kind of makes them post-punk. Like, well, they're all rock, I guess. But like they have yeah, some like rock. goth in there. I saw uh, Shoegaze mentioned as well. So kind of that. That stuff. Yeah, that makes. I can see them as an entryway into goth <clears throat> yeah. music. But they weren't like super gothic compared to like some stuff. <laughs> no, it's like, I mean, it's like that looking at up. fucking Elvis Presley's rock and roll, right? Yeah, like, I guess wow. so. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I guess it's rock and roll. Um, but that's what this is. This is a more, is a darker, more gothic sound doing yeah. a similar song. Although it's also weird because like the guitar is kind of like country western sound yeah there's slide guitar going on yeah. in this so like you get this like 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 hi-hat heavy drum machine sound yeah um the vocalist is very like i would say like sisters of mercy plus iggy pop basically oh the sisters of mercy <laughs> <Yeah>. are <laughs> Like the band yeah. Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, uh, I know. I think we talked about them maybe. I think for, yeah. um, not, um, they do. What's the uh, Rolling Stones song? Oh, uh, Give Me Shelter. Give Me Shelter. I don't remember if we actually discussed them or not, but they have a cover. Of or the other Rolling Stones one we did, Beast of Burden. It was not Beast of Burden. It's not Beast think. of Burden. Okay. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, you're right. It is this yeah. like, like low, growly, almost talk singy kind of. Exactly. Really low growl. So that's yeah, like kind of the goth, but the rest of it has got some like like things I wouldn't necessarily expect in goth. Admittedly, okay, I am not the most goth. I saw him associated with industrial. Okay. So like the drums to me the read drums. as industrial. Yeah. Um, the, the, the guitar reads to me as country. (laughs) You're right there. Um, but I think maybe that plays into the, he's kind of playing with his own version of the, like, 
maybe this is the American ideal versus the American reality version of like coming of age. As you're thinking, it's all cowboys and yeehaw, but there's this driving industry that's the real America. Combining those two things, yeah, I guess if yeah. you're talking about the end of an era, but going from like cowboys to industrialized, that's yeah, that's gonna be something that I mean certainly been done before. I mean, this is the so musical version of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, that's this is right. Red Dead Redemption as a song. Wow. <laughs> um. So, but it's got some interesting things going on musically because of that. Yeah. Um, but and it doesn't like. There's not even like a ton of distortion like I might expect. It's yeah. It's really accented with distortion. Goth. And like yeah, it's really like transitions, like the ends mm-hmm. of of sections leading into the next one. Yeah, you get this really crunchy guitar for yeah. like two notes or like two chords, and it's like, and we're back to the like ambient country guitar. Yeah, like sliding around. So interesting until really you get to the bridge, which is. More of that, like, shrieking guitars. Only for a bit, though, because the bridge yeah. isn't that long. No, um, it isn't. And then it kind of goes back down. Uh, but, yeah, it's real interesting that they kind of went with that softer, like, stuck with the softer nature of the original. Uh, yeah. But still kind of gave it that darker edge and threw in some of the distortion, but only a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it was really cool because of that. Yeah, um, I thought so, too. I think some other acts struggled to find the the balance they either lean most of them lean too hard into the soft side of the song yeah whereas like it the reason it works with smashing pumpkins is because they do have this like little bit of crunch that little like angst in them yeah just a little bit yeah you get that that tempers out some of the soft nostalgia and this one goes hard with that by being like well let's put an industrial grit and then soften that with the the rest of the instrumentation we got these guitars going real airy fairy like, even the vocals are, like... I describe them as cool Satan in my notes. Cool like, Satan. it's evil, but he's got, so like he's got a bit of... Uh, yeah, anyway. so he's got a bit of syrup in there, though, you know? It's so, a little, like... Uh, it's like late-night yeah. radio Satan. Yeah, I mean... In that low end, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all, well, in relation to that, there's more focus on the vocals. Just a bit, like... It's not as much of everything is in the background in this version. Which is yeah. fine. And you notice that particularly when we get a breakdown at around like 350. Mm-hmm. It breaks down to just that synth and... Uh, like the outro part? No, yeah. it, maybe not quite. Well, part of the outro because you get that synth again, but it comes up first like 355. It's just... And everything kind of airs out a bit. Okay, yeah, because the outro's longer, right? Yeah. It like repeats... Because it's that outro, but like the second line, the... Uh, yeah, there's no one around gets repeated yeah, quite a bit. says that a couple times. And it brings in that like xylophone or marimba or whatever sound. Yeah. Um, like it sounds like um, like an underwater section of a, of a rare game on N64. Yeah, like you jumped underwater yeah. while this was playing. And so you get the more aquatic version. Yeah, yeah that checks game. out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it played really well for me. I was kind of shocked. I was ready for this to be, like, the worst version this week, but I don't think that's the case at all. No. Um, Speaking of things that aren't as good, though, let's talk about the minstrels in 2001. The minstrels. Um, 
Um, did you find anything on these guys? No, because like searching like minstrel music, like that's already <laughs> a thing. It's they're yeah. not just minstrels. They're not a no. minstrel show. That's for sure. I hope. I hope. <laughs> uh, but as far as I can tell, they're not. Um, but yeah, this is the minstrels who. Right. Oh, I did find one descriptor of them by looking up their album. Okay. Um, I found it on the Amazon page. It called them an American folk noir outfit. Folk noir. So, yeah, whatever the fuck that means, right? Yeah, I don't know about all that. Um, but I guess there's a little folk in there. They kind of just replaced the beat. Um, it's kind of more Latin. Beat. Yeah. You get it a bit in the drums. First. You get it with the... Uh... You get it, what's, is that an accordion at the start doing that? Or like a synth accordion? Um, I didn't hear... Bop, 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 bop. Or is that a guitar? No. I don't know. It almost sounds like strings with an echo. Yeah, I'd believe that. That's, that's my guess. And then we get Probably what synth, I though. think is supposed to be a sitar coming in. Or just like super weird guitar. It really does, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of effects going on here. Mm-hmm. So it does really have that rounded sound. I would, I would compare it to a sitar. I don't know if that's what it was. Right, but that's the effect it's giving. Yeah. Play just very slow, lots of echo, right? So the, yeah. any sound anything is making, like, the actual note isn't played for that much of it, and just kind of has time to fade. Mm-hmm. Um, but they end up with a lot of that, yeah, that ambient stuff and things that blend together a lot, you know, you yeah. get a lot of that string synth, um, and kind of an, an adapted version of the original riff. Um, so it's has like some of the descending part that the first half of the original riff had, but it's definitely right. not the whole thing. Yeah. And that guitar is our guitar or sitar is actually playing the, the vocal sample. Oh, yeah, I kind of didn't even notice that was a vocal sample in the original. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it is, and that's, that's what it's yeah. doing here. So, yeah, um, you get, like, bits and pieces of the original. It's really, like, broken down as much as you can break yeah, down the original feels, and, like, spaced out. Less. Like, there's less there. Um, and then later on, they do build a fair amount, you know, introduce various synthesizers, so there's, like, kind of more of that bleepy bloopy synth. Right, um, and then like a buzzy, noisy uh, synth, and then that—I mean, kind of creating that similar idea, like soundscape um, texture. Yeah, but that's I think the real angle is like soundscape, but without the sort of drive that pushes the original along. Less drive, you say? Okay. Yeah, the original has, and it's in that guitar loop, but it has a good movement to it, a good groove to it. It feels like we're being picked up and carried along a river or whatever, as this one is like, not. there's like nothing that's really carrying us through the song. They even have a driving bass line, but it doesn't really drive. It just kind of fucking putters. Hmm. That's my feeling, anyhow. Yeah, to me it was very much like a... I mean, what we have in the past, maybe not explicitly, but kind of called like a Ship of Theseus cover, where like it has the elements, but they've changed them. Like they have a a different element that does basically the same thing. 
right. as it did in the original. And it might be very similar to the original. It might not be. But, like, all the parts are there, but they're different parts. Yeah. It's sometimes like a president's choice version is, I think, what I call it. Because it's all cheaper yeah. parts. Yeah. And I guess just saying Ship of Theseus, like, is not necessarily better or worse. I don't think this yeah. one has, like, an element that is really sets it apart. Um, it does change them all, but none of the things that changes them to are notable. Really? I didn't think. Yeah, and we lose out on, like what I was saying, like the grit. We lose out on that two-tone balance. This is all smooth without any, like, like you even hear the guy singing. It's just, like, smooth and peaceful. <laughs> True. No one wants no to sound like Billy Corgan action. Uh, My throat's going to hurt so much after today. <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. Um, yeah, that's the minstrels. They're kind of boring. Yeah, I thought it was like okay. Yeah, I, I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with it, but it just was like it was arbitrary changes. It's yeah. Like, now it sounds like a sitar. Now this is a, a a fucking string echo or something. Hey, we go. Well, all right, you guys did it. It's did it evoke folk noir, Alex? I, I definitely didn't evoke noir. Surely it did not. Maybe a little. What folk. would folk noir even sound like, Alex? Maybe this next version. Not really. Not really. Um, but we're gonna talk about them. Way to dodge the question, Alex. Freedom <laughs> Fry in 2015. Shake down 1979. Cool kids never had. Uh, folk noir would sound like. <laughs> folk music but every once in a while there's a gunshot i don't know <laughs> yeah oh, i was thinking like a guy narrating over it like he's you talking know the song yeah you know the song twilight zone by golden earring i know the song twilight zone by rush okay weird uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in the song twilight zone by golden earring it opens and and the guy says somewhere in a lonely hotel room a man's about to realize that eternal fate has turned its back on him oh so it's folk noir is just like it's folk music but we narrate yeah, we narrate it. That would be my take. And, like, you can wear a fedora if you want, but no one will be able to tell. That's right. Um, unless you're playing live, I guess. But, Alex, we're talking about Freedom Fry, the <laughs> yeah, L.A. indie pop band. Freedom Fry. Weird um, name, but okay. Weird name, but okay. It's a husband and wife duo. So, uh, the, it's Bruce Driscoll and Marie Serrat. Yeah, for some reason I thought that name, Bruce Driscoll, was familiar, but I can't. I think the last name Driscoll gets used in a lot of Western fiction. Maybe. It just I've... seemed very familiar. Like, like I thought maybe he was a member of another band on here, but I can't find, like, according to his Wikipedia page, there's nothing, so. Well, he was one half of the pop band Blondfire, which oh. he was in with his sister. Of course. Um, but yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about them. I also find it weird that he only does music with, uh, people in his family. Yeah, he's got a duo with his <laughs> sister and a duo with his wife. Do you think, guy. did they, do you think they played together before they were married? No, impossible. I read about their, he was like doing photography on some set or something and she met him there. Oh, okay. And then I, don't, I didn't read the rest of it, but hey, this is all a lot to say. You wanted a soft indie cover. You got it. Oh, you the sure did. soft indie cover in town. Yeah, I originally wrote down finger-picked chords, but guess yep. what? They're not finger-picked. He's using a pick. I, I, oh, I checked no. in the music video. Picked-picked. <laughs> yeah. It, so 
what what is happening in this version? I mean, this is the the slow. I mean, it's not really slower. Is it? Maybe a little bit. It's softer. Softer. Soft indie cover. Yeah. So they got uh, that guitar. It's like a pick pattern. And then uh, piano chords. Yeah. And then she's singing. And guess what? Breathy vocals, baby. Yeah. The vocals are very breathy to the point where they actually kind of drop out. Sad points. Might yeah. be a bit under her range, though, which actually, interestingly enough, happens in the original version of Landslide. Ooh. Um, to make another reference to Landslide. Check out our Landslide Check episode Landslide if you want to see episode. us at our worst. It's maybe okay, but some people liked it. I know at least one person who said it didn't sound different from other episodes, which maybe is not great. <laughs> uh, Man, the comments we get from friends. Um, never, yeah, never I didn't notice great. the difference. Like, ah, fuck. Like, well. We're that bad okay. the rest of the time? We're, um, we're always bad. All right. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, it's not so far from the song. Like, it it's got like the melancholy, which was already there. Yeah. Um. So it's not like this is a a sad slow version or anything because it was already those things. Yeah. Kind you of. You asked when we were talking about Margaritaville about the version by Artichoke. You were like, "Does this version remove layers or add layers?" And we agreed it just flip layers. Right. I'd say this version removes layers. I think so too. Um, I mean, real. I mean, there's only a guitar. Yeah, singing. It doesn't really do the same to create much of like the texture or anything. You know. No, I will give it points for being a pretty reasonable translation of that loop onto a acoustic guitar. Fair enough. I will say that. Yeah, like, that's fine. that's the more interesting part. Like the picking. I was actually like considering how actually slow paced this song is. The picking is mm-hmm. actually kind of fast. Yeah, so, like, so that he's having fitting that, all that in there. Impressive. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. I think if they had worked to put more in here, because you're right, it's like we get that guitar picking established, we get some piano chords occasionally, we get breathy vocals, and it's like, pack it up, ship it out, it's done, but it's, yeah, I think we could do more here. Yeah, feels like it's missing something. Uh, But, yeah. That's kind of it. That's really it. Um, And then just as boring as the song itself is their music music video. video. Yep. They've got like a few kind of shots. It's all like vignette filter. Well, maybe not vignette filter, but like old film filter. Yeah. Um, And I only say that because I'm pretty sure vignette filter uh, blackens the corners and they don't have Right. Yeah, you're correct. Where this is just like sepia, sepia. Yeah, it's definitely washed out colors. And it has the uh like the grain effect of old film. You yeah. see the lines and like spots coming up. Yeah. And yeah, they do a few like filmic what does that even mean? Uh they do a couple like effects, you know, uh with the camera. So like there's I guess I don't know if there's a name for it, kaleidoscope effect where like it's Oh yeah. Uh show it like you see like there's like three of her in three the sun of her there. head. Uh it's yeah. also like very strongly backlit, so it's all in silhouette kind of thing. So I don't know exactly what that's called, but I said kaleidoscope. I think that's a good choice of word for that. Think, it is like a, a light kaleidoscope yeah. scope scope effect. Um and they just kind of like hang out in this like clearing among some trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes a he has a guitar sometimes. he's playing. Yeah, yeah there's that, that wicker chair with like a really big back. 
Yeah. Um, Crone. Is there? There's like a, a picnic, a picnic blanket. A picnic blanket. Picnic yeah. blanket. And <laughs> sure they have these like <laughs> these like uh, pyramid things with like gold foil strips. Yeah. Or I mean, I say fo- I, those have a name, but I forget what they're called. It's I not, like go- yeah. It's not garland. It's uh. Well, it might be garland. Honestly. Might be garland. Um. Yeah, I say gold foil strips, but it's like those plastic gold things that. I mean, they kind of f- flicker in the wind. Yeah. Which is what's happening here, and I guess in the light. So it, like, looks kind of neat, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, like, not... I, I don't see a story in this video. I know. Much like the, the song itself, it just needs more. It needs a second yeah. pass. They need to add some layers to it, take some new shots, give us the, uh, give us the backstory. Yeah, and like it's fun. I get it. Like they're playing around with like lots of backlit stuff, you know, strong sunlight, mm-hmm. which is like very striking to look at. But I didn't think it was like cool enough to carry an entire video. No, especially because we keep filtering back to these shots. Like, oh, they're back at the wicker chair, but now both of them are there. Oh, here we're looking at her face again. Oh, now they're jumping. And oh, is <laughs> oh yeah, they do jump. They do jump. Like that's the biggest excitement we get. It's like now it's a close up on her eye. Yeah, which a lot of it is just you could call that her singing, like it's standing there and singing. Yeah. So, yeah, considering that it's almost five minutes long and like nothing really happens. Yeah, you could have done something where we like anchor that that place with the tree as like a special spot for these two characters. And then either we see them grow apart or one of them dies or something, or they have a baby there. I don't fucking care. Like, I don't know. Something happens and they have to yeah. deal with it. Right. Like, and they have to deal with it. Yeah. And we can see like, kind of like, kind of like the original, we can see these shots of them whiling away the time at this tree. They're climbing it. They're playing songs there. They have a little picnic and then we can see, you know, it slowly like dissolve. One person shows up. The other's not there. Uh, one, the other person shows up. There's a letter. It says, go fuck yourself or something like, like it, there could be a story in place. Yeah. And it wouldn't take a lot more effort than what they've put in already. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, boring song, boring music video. Um, let's talk about Darling Side in 2016. Shakedown 1979 Cool kids never Let's talk about Darling Side. So Darling Side, more folk. This is a f- indie folk outfit uh, yes. from Boston. Um, this one does have a little something extra in it. This is the first one that actually kind of like adds something new, I think. Right. And that is like this, this, like they took the idea of this restlessness and added this like really explosive attitude i guess i would say to it it starts at the very beginning because like they're all like doing this muted strumming and it's like they just cannot wait to start this song and then once it just like explodes into the song they're like strumming so fast and everyone's strumming and and Um, loud and open it's no you're right yeah they do play with this two layers of like restraint and release yeah so that's the big one in this one. Uh, the other big thing they bring to the table is uh, harmonies. There's a lot of really nice harmonies in this one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Comparing these guys to uh, the last ones here, to Freedom Fry, like this yeah. is this is softness with more layers. Yeah. Where the and, layer is actually and exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I thought this one was really cool. But there's not like a ton of stuff to point out. Like it's really they change that and the rest of it's a lot of strumming and they sing and they do a lot of harmonies. Um but other than it's like, oh, there's a guitar pigeon at one point. Um Yeah. But they just stick with that like fast strumming. That's kind of the thing they add. So even when they're switching it up, like on the bridge, for example, they mm-hmm. stick with that fast strumming. And it just gets it gives the song this really like explosive energy. Mm-hmm. Without changing the pace much. Yeah. And you know, like the harmonies speaks to that like like reminiscing on being with your friends in the youth that seems to be present in the, the original song that yeah. like oh yeah, it's being together with a group and having that big it's like a real uh more positive looking back on on that loss of innocence or that moment of youth and be like, Wow, well, those are good times. And then we, uh, yeah, it just kind of it rocks on that. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it kind of sticks with that. It's pretty focused, I would say, in, because of that. And yeah. uh, effectively uh, works with that. Um, there's a music video. It's not too much to say about it because they're really just, it's not really a music video. It's just them performing it live in a kitchen. In a kitchen. Um, okay. I, th- I was like, I didn't think there was one. For yeah. This. But um, you do get a, a shot or a, a peek at what instruments they're playing so there's a a six string guitar and a 12 string guitar and a mandolin and then the other Uh, guy's playing bass so there's four of them well that tells me things because i would have assumed it was a uh a banjo oh yeah yeah mandolin yeah they can sound similar yeah so six string acoustic 12 string electric and then yeah mandolin, which i think has eight strings yeah yeah, look at him go on that mandolin. Yeah, so a lot of that fast. A lot, I don't have too much to say about this one, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you're kind of on the mark. Simple trick, hit it right. Um, they get in out just under, just around four minutes there. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, let's talk about jazz, though, Alex. Let's talk about jazz. Let's talk about jazz. Let's talk about Mandy Jones in 2017. Shakedown 1979 Yeah, so first of all, common name. There's so many Mandy Joneses. Um, yes. And I was looking them up and I was like, oh, it's this multi-creative, her words, uh, from, from uh, California. But it can't be. And it can't be because... I mean, if you actually click, look at Mandy Jones and Spotify, it's someone else. But also, she has, like, an accent. So I'm like, mm. is she really born in California and has this, like, kind of, like, Cuban? I say Cuban because Mandy Jones has Cuban, is of Cuban descent. Who She was born in Florida, the actual Mandy Jones. Oh, but I got the wrong Mandy Jones. <laughs> raised bilingual. So that's why okay. she's got, I think that's why she sings with this accent. A daughter of a Cuban immigrant to Florida. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, I got the wrong one. I <laughs> Yeah, I had this whole thing. I was like, she calls herself a multi-creative, but I think it would sound cooler if it was a polycreative, like polyglot or polymath. Ooh, but like or, not even the right Mandy Jones. Yeah. Nope. Um, that makes much more sense too, because she works with like uh she's on one of these vintage fucking Yeah, vintage cafe. Yeah, vintage cafe. And this is the lounge and jazz blend. It is. It is that. Um, and uh, all that said, it's the lounge and jazz blend. It really is like a bossa nova version. Yes, hundred um, percent. 
pretty straightforward bossa nova translation. Yeah. These you get the bossa beat. It's real, like, yeah, like beach vacation, hanging yeah. out at the pool or in the lobby. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the vocal sound on this one. Um, yeah. The, like, pitch corrections a bit strong it's, for me. It's really strong. Um, which is unfortunate. I usually, I don't know if that means that it was just not engineered very well, or maybe I mean, maybe she didn't sing it very well. That's possible too, but then like wasn't given another another take another or something, take. so they just um, so they're like, do that one. She's like, I can do better, but they're like, ah, get out of here, Mandy. Yeah, it's distinctly rough, and I think with this style of music, you want a more organic sounding singer. When it's, it's supposed to sound like a bunch of kids hanging out, it, yeah. It's very much like rooted in this like real event in the yeah, past. Yeah, and even in the genre of like event. lounge jazz, you think of like a crooner, you think of somebody. This was like when we found out a that small room, uh, right? Michael Bublé is heavy on, <laughs> on auto-tune, right? Right, like, right. It doesn't seem correct for what is being what performed. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I wasn't wasn't a huge fan of that. I thought, yeah, could use maybe a couple more takes. Or, I mean, there's so much pitch correction in music that you don't notice because mm-hmm. the engineer did it right. Yeah, exactly. So that's also maybe a weakness is maybe they just, just needed some more time in the oven. That's maybe right, she did yeah. fine, you know? Yeah, and I think there is a version of this where, I mean, there is the idea of moving from one concept to another, where we move from the organic sounds of, like, a stand-up bass and the the xylophone made of wood to a a more futuristic sound, and we have that kind of transition us through. Especially if you're talking about a song like this, where one of the strong themes is, like, ending things and moving to something new. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but... uh, Unfortunately, uh, they did not do that. Yeah. Um, I guess the one interesting thing I'll say about her delivery is um, it does not attempt to make it sound smooth like the original. Uh, like, she'll end her syllables very quickly without the original. Like, when he's done saying a word, he'll still be mm-hmm. like, eh, for a bit, because <laughs> his voice kind of does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> None of that. Which I guess the other ones also didn't do but they kind of would smooth things out a little bit more but she like ends the word which is like okay yeah change up the delivery that's cool unfortunately you know there's not much else going on that's potentially interesting yeah you get the little xylophone after lines that do 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 so like yeah if you really want a bossa nova cover this is serviceable but it's definitely like a cover factory yeah 100 percent. this is yeah, so, can't cover it's Yeah. But I thought there could have been something good here. I did put it on because I heard the instrumentals. I was like, oh, we're going to an yeah. interesting space here. I mean, there's always a potential for solid for sure. Bossa Nova cover, right? Um, it's just unfortunate that they didn't really do actually do anything with that. They did like the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and now it's time for us to do our bare minimum and put these songs into three different categories, at least yeah. three of them. For our final verdicts, we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version that you would play at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance in the year 1979 instead of 1955. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, Alex, worst version. Worst version? 
Uh, there's a few to choose from, honestly. Um, I will probably give it to Darling Side. Um, because I was real bored by it, and I feel do like you mean Freedom Fry. Yeah, I do. I do mean okay. Freedom Fry. I was I'm like, sorry. whoa, Alex, you said so many nice things. So many about nice things about it. Side. No. I meant Freedom Fry. I got my covers mixed up. Okay, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I will give it to Freedom Fry. Because Freedom Fry just didn't, like, do anything with it. It's, like, my least favorite kind of cover. And sometimes I avoid giving worse to those ones just because it's like, seems so obvious to me. But mm-hmm. they're getting it today. Yeah, there is something about these guys versus Mandy Jones, who I think are the front runners for worst version. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Mandy Jones, I mean, at the end of the day, she's just like a jobber, right? She comes in, she lays down the track, she goes home. It's the end of the day. Whereas these guys, I think, have gone out of their way and used the the maximum of their artistic creativity to knock out what a jobber just does as their job. Yeah. So they have put in more effort to the same amount of uh, you know negative results. Which, I, in my eyes, makes them worse. So I'm giving it to Freedom Fry for that reason. Yeah. And, yeah. and they even have a music video that's, like, on the same level. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, well, we gotta fucking lock this in. This is a great song. We're gonna put a music video out there that's gonna be just as good. And they were right. It is just as good. <laughs> uh, Alex, what is the best version of this, though? Best version. Oh, there's a couple good ones. There are a couple there's good a ones. There are a couple good ones. Um, jeez. Oh, man. Um... Do you have a best? Do you have I gotta give one? it to Pig. I think Pig. Yeah, like just that it was, was really a good. really good take on it. You get a nice grit in there. You get strange elements which make you go, huh? But then you go, oh yeah, this is good. I like this country slide guitar. And yeah, plays. And it's Red Dead Redemption too as a song. Yeah, as a song. <laughs> or I guess both Red Dead Redemption games. I think specifically Red Dead. I think both. I haven't played the, two. The, the Dying I'll of the admit, Wild West. I haven't played one. I guess in Red Dead Redemption the first, it's more prominent because you're in the future, so like its civilization has really taken over. Right, it's even closer. Whereas in two, you're kind of just seeing the starts of it. <sighs> yeah. Okay. No, that that's a great version because it does do some interesting things with the theming and the sounds, and mm-hmm. um, I really liked that one. And um, probably uh, that would be as deserving, but I'll give it to Darling Side because I thought they also did something cool with it and added this extra layer of energy. That uh, that just made it a very exciting uh, version to me, and um, and their harmonies are really solid. Yeah, I think theirs is a solid take. There's a good, yeah, like you said, a joy in there where Pig leans into the grit that's present in the original. Yeah, Darling Side leans into the the joyful side of nostalgia rather than the sadness, and it was like let's let's lift this up a bit. I think those are both good takes. Yeah. Uh, Alex, you've traveled back in time to the year 1979. Oh gosh, we don't know why, but you've got to play at this dance because, of course, obviously, uh, what what version of 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins are you going to perform? This is tough because like I'm like, what in 1979? What are they? Am I playing this? Like they might respond to this goth thing. Um, if it was 1955, mm-hmm. I would definitely play the Mandy Jones version, right? Uh, because I think. It might be a little early for Bossa Nova, but I feel like it's close enough. I think it would still hit because there'd be enough of that like yeah. smoothness to it that they they would they would relate to it and understand it. But um I think No, no, I'm gonna go with that one still. Nineteen seventy nine. 
Yeah, it's a, uh, Mandy Jones. A I feel like people know what Bossa Nova is, and it fits Enchantment Under the Sea. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah, I think that's, get that I think that's it. People will respond. It's... People will be like, oh, this is kind of my parents' music, but like, yeah. You're like, my it's parents are going to love this. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn, that's a good choice, Alex. I, it's tough looking at these, because like... Is the world ready for actual Smashing Pumpkins in 1979? I don't know. I don't know about that. And if they're not ready for the Smashing Pumpkins, you might get away with Pig. Uh, depending yeah. on the audience, you might be able to sneak Pig in there. Especially because like, there's kind of a punk emergence of the time. I feel like you could slide it in with the like punk new wave stuff that was happening. Right. People would be like, yeah, this is music. I get it. And you just kind of wave your arms around. But I think I'm going to go with the minstrels just to go like loosely, quote unquote, folk and slash Latin. Okay. And be like, huh? Something what vague. What do you guys think about this? <laughs> Something vague, just in general. Yeah. Although, honestly, I mean, you hear so many stories about people in, you know, throughout the last couple decades of, the, of that century. I mean, like, and then I heard this synthesizer sound and it blew my fucking mind. And now we're like, yeah, that's a synthesizer. Yeah, like you can Synthesizers get that anywhere. can sound like pretty much anything, so I won't be surprised if you, you know, by anything. But they were like, it was the craziest sound. So like, to us, to be like, yeah, this sounds pretty normal. And then back then, they just like blow their minds. Yeah, we just like send forward <laughs> technology ten years because they're like, holy shit. Yeah. So maybe. <laughs> yeah, it could but really fuck things up. You never know. Yeah, if I was looking to do as little like timeline damage as possible, I'd knock out the Freedom Fry version because everybody would forget it the yeah, moment like, I stopped yep, playing. Guitar, piano, we have those. <laughs> like, yeah, we've heard of these songs. Yeah, okay. yeah hey, nineteen seventy nine. That's no, the year yeah. it is. Definitely so. fuck shit up. That's that's our goal, I think. In yeah, I think do, do as much timeline damage as possible. Yep. And that does it for our final verdict. So you got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GovernMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Uh, did I mention that this was for Entrepreneur Summer? Entrepreneur Summer, baby. Um, <laughs> my partner is an entrepreneur. About we didn't talk about <laughs> Yeah, we don't have much to say about wrestling. Uh, be sure to check out Greta's business on the corner of Robson and Denman Street in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Poppy Threads. Uh, Poppy Threads pop up on Instagram. Follower, tell her I sent you. You will not receive a discount, but you will be welcome to purchase clothes. And even if you don't mention that you saw it here or heard it here, you'll still be welcome to purchase clothes. You should do it because Entrepreneur Summer, baby. Um, I'm very good at advertising. Be sure to rate and review us. You can also email us at uh, covermepod at gmail.com. So there's comments, questions, concerns there. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. We don't have a marketing budget. You are the marketing budget. Look at you go. And that does it for today's episode. And as we always say on Cover Me, we were sure we'd never see an end to Cover Me.